Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Julieta Televi, and joining me to take your stock-related questions this evening are Rowan Williams from Nitrogen Fund Managers and Independent Analyst Jimmy Moyaha. If you'd like to send questions, please SMS one, uh, 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Rowan, Jimmy, good evening to you both. Uh, Jimmy, as the trader among us, um, has it been a vigorous day on the markets or has it been a bit like watching paint dry ahead of, um, I suppose, the bigger events this week being interest rates decisions and also some big res results out from big companies. Good evening, Julieta. Good evening to the viewers. Um, yeah, I know it's been an absolutely quiet day on the local side of things. We saw that um, Asia session was kind of a mixed bag. Nikkei was up while the Hang Seng was down. We saw um, that UK session and European session was also quite muted. Um, South African local um, force was very, very quiet, apart from financials um, being up about just under three quarters of a percent, but offset by resources, obviously. But absolutely everything is in focus uh, or everything that's in focus at the moment is centered around the Fed, around the ECB, around what the expectations are from both in terms of interest rate decisions. We've all but priced in 25 basis points on the U.S. side. But the main conversation is going, or the main um, interest comes from um, what Fed Chair Powell will say after that, because that's going to give guidance in terms of whether or not we do see that softer landing that we anticipate for the U.S. or whether or not we are still dealing with recessionary um, concerns at this stage. Mm. Rowan, are you nervous about what might transpire this week or do you think actually... Um, there isn't that much cause to be nervous. In, in a sense, you've had decent economic numbers out of the US. I mean, we spoke about it last week. You've got a consumer that's not falling over, inflation's coming down. I mean, it seems to be a sort of a perfect set of uh, events. Um, if, you were the, if you were Joe Biden, you're probably very happy about uh, around about now. If only we had such a strong economy with such strong um, employment numbers uh, and yet uh, inflation coming down. So, I mean, they seem to be in a, in a perfect position or is that a far too optimistic a view of things? No, I don't think so. I think you're right. The, the Fed uh, has seemed to engineer the situation where uh, they've uh, very aggressively increased uh, interest rates, um, but we haven't seen a significant slowdown in the U.S. economy. Now, I guess that's part of the concern that the economy continued to run too hot. And, you know, good news is bad news. And now the narrative seems to have changed where good news is good news because the rates have been hiked. And we haven't seen the slowdown. So that means we've got higher interest rates, but a fairly healthy U.S. economy. So that is a, a fairly good situation to be in. Um, and uh, the analysts have been saying that the Fed has been able to land the jumbo jet on uh, the um, ocean-going liner. So um, that seems to be a positive. So it does very much. I think the 25 basis points is baked in. And so that's in prices and expectations. And if the Fed here sounds somewhat less hawkish or possibly dovish, um, we could see actually markets consolidate and move up from here. I think uh, they're waiting sort of for a reason to move up. That's my sense. It's sort of been very low liquidity, sort of a bit of a low liquidity increase um, in prices. But if there's a signal that we've reached the peak of the hiking, uh, then uh, yeah, I think there's a, there's a good chance markets can move quite strongly higher. Of course, locally, we saw the Reserve Bank 
stay its hand last week. And Jimmy, there's a question that came through a little bit earlier on government bonds. Um, and I suppose in light of what you know, the, the, the authorities worldwide and in South Africa are doing. Vera says, um, as part of diversifying my portfolio, I'd like to invest some money in government bonds. With a five-year outlook, I'd like to know which way would be the best. Should I use a government bond ETF on my Easy Equities platform, or should I make use of the fixed RSA retail bonds, which indicate decent returns over the period? Um, what would you pick and why? So the bond conversation is an interesting conversation. A couple of weeks ago, I actually gave out um, a government bond as a preferred pick. I gave out the 2030 um, bond as a preferred stock pick. And I mean, the, the, the rationale behind that is you're still getting um, a positive yield, net of inflation and that sort of thing. That picture has changed from the last inflation print. Um, by all accounts, if we continue on the trajectory that we are currently on, you could realistically still find that um, inflation starts to taper off quite a bit. The South African consumer has been really strained. Um, and I think from a five-year viewpoint, we would definitely in the five years ideally want to be back at um, or below the midpoint. But expectation is that we'll get there before the end of this year. So the question is, is the government bond a good um, diversification tool at this stage, whether it's the ETF or the bond. Yes, that is good. But is it good for five years? That I'm not so sure. I think for, from a five-year perspective, you'd probably um, find yourself getting a better return elsewhere, obviously looking at your risk profile and that sort of thing. Um, I think for the next 12 to 24 months, it might be a very good place to park some money um, because the situation doesn't show points towards um, us sort of coming back to lower interest rate levels within the next 12 to 24 months or coming back to the 3% that we saw um, sort of 2021-ish. So I think the, the bond conversation is one where I would approach it uh, with caution. If I have to choose between the two, I'd probably go with the ETF just on the basis that um, it's probably less concentrated and so a, a little more diversified um, in terms of what type of ETF you then go with from that perspective. Um, but if you're looking at a five-year horizon, I'd probably want to uh, look at some different investments and not necessarily bonds because I think those yields will come off as mm. well. I suppose the problem with the RSA retail bond, um, Rowan and, and Jimmy, is that uh, the, the best rate, obviously, is on the, the longer dated period if you're an RSA retail uh, bond investor. So, uh, you know, I mean, it was 11.75% not too long ago last month. I'm not sure if it's still there this month because I, I, I have a look at it for myself. But then, of course, you know, that's, um, that's a period that you're stuck in for. Rowan, would you agree with Jimmy that maybe five years is... Uh, you, uh, might be uh, tricky in light of what might happen to inflation, or actually, do you lock in you know, a, a guaranteed return, uh, particularly in light of the RSA retail bonds, um, and you can be quite comfortable with that because it is still pretty high, and if inflation falls, you know, you've got a nice spread um, sure. between the two. Yeah, so I, I think that's exactly the point. If you're an investor that requires income, uh, to fund uh, your retirement or whatever the case may be, locking in at the very high rates that you're seeing for a long period of time, the longer duration may actually be very attractive. So you're a risk-averse investor that is looking for yield. Then the five-year lockup is not so much of an issue. But if you are a, an investor that's looking for opportunities and from time to time is trading and, and, and buying and selling, then I'd say the ETF is better because it's a liquid instrument. Mm. So you may see the benefits of the capital appreciation in that yields compress. Inflation comes down, interest rates come down, 
the, the capital value of the bond increases, you can realize that by liquidating the ETF and then put the money into something else. So I think it very much depends what your investment objectives are. And the one income sort of yield, uh, probably the fixed government bond, more of an investor trader, the ETF. Okay. All right, so something to chew over. It's no no easy answers here. Um, uh, Jimmy, we had um, a bit of news from Impala Platinum. You know, they're going to delist RB Platts. Uh, Northam's accepted their offer. So I suppose there's no reason for it to, to remain listed. And a viewer wanted to know, would the panel be able to indicate if there'll be any impact on the Implats share price, Implats being the offering company, or acquiring company rather, uh, with the proposed delisting of RB Platts? I shouldn't think so. Um. Yeah, so it's uh, we, we sort of saw a lot of the price movement around the time where the conversations were still going. So where we weren't certain around who was going to take uh, the deal, whether it was going to be Northern, whether it was going to be um, Implats and that sort of thing. And since we've seen that outcome sort of materialize and that sort of thing, uh, you've seen that the market has said, okay, cool, Northern now has X amount of money more than to the tune of 9 billion rand or something. Um, Implats is moving ahead with this. Uh, there is no sense, as you rightly mentioned, in, in keeping both companies listed on there with dual listing or double the listing requirements and that sort of thing. Uh, but from Implats' perspective, I think once we got the announcement, it's, it's, we, we got the price movement and it was all sort of priced in now to say, okay, this is where we're sitting at the moment. We don't anticipate that much more will um, come through in terms of the, the share price. So I think it, it is built into it. Um, if we get something from uh, the Implats stable around what they intend to do with RB Platts and, and that sort of thing, uh, in terms of feeding back into implants, or if we see a significant increase in what it then adds to implants' overall production for the year, now that they own more than 98% of it, then we might see a bit of price um, movement from, from results and from earnings announcements. Yeah. I'll get your view on the PGM uh, outlook in a moment. Rowan, what's yours? Uh, are you nervous about PGM producers? Um, or are you optimistic? I mean, there are two schools of thought that things could get worse and and have worsened quite quickly and materially and still could um, deteriorate from this point or that things start improving from here on out because these share prices have been clobbered as prices have come back palladium and rhodium specifically yeah so i think what you see is an amplats results this uh, morning were a good example what you uh, the impact of the the pgm basket uh, price declines on earnings is, is massive um, and what unfortunately you get is where you've had a cycle of uh, rising prices then you get sticky costs and uh, the basket uh, the input price comes down significantly that they're able to get for what they mine uh, but their cost can't come down any as quickly and so the cost per ton uh, and uh, Amplats uh, reiterated this was at the high end of guidance uh, obviously they had some production challenges as well so that's the other aspect and the margins come down significantly. So it's a very tough uh, yeah, period for them to manage. It very much depends on your outlook on the PGM basket prices. Um, if you feel they can go up from here, I think, uh, yeah, there is upside at these um, share price levels because, as you say, they've come down significantly. 
But if you're not that bullish, I think then um, it's not the right entry point. So it's quite cyclical. It's sort of uh, timing. You're taking a sort of a somewhat speculative view on the PGM basket price. Uh, we have seen uh, the demand of the auto catalysts come down as we move to BEVs, battery electric vehicles. And I think that trend is going to continue. So I would be concerned personally because I think the sort of long-term demand trends are not as uh, buoyant as they have been in the past. Jimmy, what, what's your thoughts? I share own sentiments, um, particularly around the demand side of it. I mean, demand is going to has been such a big driving factor, not just in the PGM space. You look at um, the coal space as well. We saw coal prices average north of $300 per ton. Now we're back below $150 per ton. So um, the demand cycle and the commodities um, cyclicality is definitely something to take into consideration when you're looking at um, these sorts of miners. In terms of um, my view on particular PGM, PGM guys, I've always had a softer spot, and I've said this on numerous occasions for a more diversified um, kind of approach to the PGM space, uh, owing to, again, it's part of what Rowan is saying that we're now transitioning very clearly into the BEV space, and you're seeing that from international manufacturers as well. You're seeing that from the likes of Toyota and Ford and um, even BMW in, in their establishment of plants in South Africa saying that we're going to produce hybrid and then ultimately electrical vehicles. So the the shift towards the PGM space or a shift away from the PGM space rather is definitely going to continue and if demand continues to remain um, sort of sluggish in this uh, interim period we could see that they won't fare much better um, but I do still have favorites within the stable I do still have guys like Sibanya that I, I love for their diversification, the fact that they are dealing in the nickel and copper space and delving into the BEV space while still being a traditional sort of PGM kind of player mm -hmm. as well. So you do still see that there might still be opportunities. I think demand is going to be such a big player, um, or such a, it's going to play such a big role rather in whether or not we see that recovery soon. Yeah. Here's uh, also uh, companies that are under pressure are clearly in the construction sector. And uh, the quick viewer says the shape of Avenge has been a, in constant state of decline despite the sale of Trident Steel. Is the price just a general consequence of the uncertainty around the construction industry or does one potentially see value in the stock over the longer term and what if anything could catalyze any potential um, gain in the share? Rowan if I may start with you, uh, your thoughts on Avenge, is it something that you would avoid? Yeah. Um, well, it, it, it uh, yeah, has been a turnaround story, and they have been, I guess, trying to turn the ship for some time, and they actually looked like they were on the right trajectory, as the viewer, viewer pointed out. Um, the realization of Trident Steel, they did particularly well on that and uh, realized almost a billion rand in cash when all was said and done. But unfortunately, their main two operations are actually construction in Australia, and then the contract mining uh, in uh, Africa and South Africa, they scored a significant own goal, and it looks like they're going to lose uh, 1.6 billion rand on a contract uh, in Malaysia, mm. um, a liquid natural gas plant. So that they uh, basically attended for during the pandemic, and the, the contract got away from them. So unfortunately, you earn Australian dollars times 12, you lose Australian dollars times 12. So significant losses, and that's actually what's caused the share price to languish uh, significantly. So I think if they can demonstrate that they're dealing with that and the rest of the business is profitable and they sort of bury that project and sort it out, the share could move up from here. It does look like it's shading very cheap 
almost a discount to the cash on the balance sheet remains to be seen that the losses don't uh, accelerate there. Mm. Yeah, this is the problem. You've got all these projects that can really come back to bite you. Jimmy, uh, is Avenge something that you would venture into? Not at the current stage. So, I mean, uh, there's a couple of points that that Rowan made that I I agree with around the fact that um, if you're looking at their order book and where their concentration sits and that sort of thing, it's very much a story similar to someone like a Murray and Roberts where your your reliance on certain... income streams or reliance on certain projects is affecting i mean the size of your order book and the concentration of that order book if you're not if you're not doing well in those markets and we've seen that the construction space has been suffering for the longest period of time um avenge is a different story to to the murray and roberts story obviously um with the turnaround um that, that they've put into the business and that sort of thing and that is quite commendable um but i think at this stage if if you're looking in um this entire construction space and you're looking at what it is that the the players are looking to do there's there's no real room for sort of innovation i mean guys like ppc as well have been reliant on the infrastructure um, plans that were put in place by the government but haven't realized that because those plans haven't been implemented so as long as your revenue is sort of tied to um, the recovery of this construction space and this construction sector, I'm a bit hesitant um, at this stage, knowing that there's very little on the horizon beyond what we're seeing from the likes of Sanral locally. And you're, if you're looking abroad in terms of um, Africa for um, the likes of uh, PPC or the likes of Avenge, your African market still, um, the investment that's going into that is now concentrated around uh, digital infrastructure and that sort of thing, and less around the, the physical infrastructure at this stage. So um, I'm very tentative about the construction space and about guys in that space, but all credit to Avenge for having turned the business around and making it attractive and appealing so that when the time does come, there's no real hesitation about whether or not the business is good to go into. Mm. Yeah, when the time, that's uh, the big question. Um, and just, I suppose, following on this, there's a question on Aframat. Uh, Rowan, I mean, Aframat, I suppose, we still think of it as a construction stock, but it's actually more like a, a diversified junior, mi- well, not even junior, sort of mid-tier minor, uh, actually, given what, uh, yes. the assets that it now holds. Uh, so you, your yeah, thoughts, the, eh? The, I mean, overall, the management team's done a fantastic job that's been one of the few sort of secular growth stories um, in the south african equity market and the share price has appreciated very well and that as you say that diversified sort of uh, away from building materials industrial minerals into more broadly uh, they've got iron ore as well so they did significantly well when that uh, boomed um, but um, it's a very well-run business they sort of uh, experts in mining as you say and uh, able to mine these smaller deposits and do very well. So uh, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a well-run business. They're going to uh, give a trading update to the market fairly soon. I think in early August we'll get a better idea. It has been more depressed, obviously, like other mining firms now. It's more cyclical. So, uh, But they tend to manage their costs well, um, manage their assets well. I'd say it's a quality counter. It has sort of paused a bit, so it might be a reasonable entry point. I think you'd look to that update and see how they, they, their current mm-hmm. trading is going. I mean, Jimmy, interestingly enough, um, 
I, I, they sort of straddle the two worlds, as Rowan said, between mining and then construction materials, and maybe they're in the best part. Because if you look at, uh, okay, yes, they have come down from the, the 60s, and they're 58 rand a share now, but year to date, they're still up. Uh, which is against what you know your bigger competitors like an Anglo-American has done or an event. <laughs> so they seem to be on a path all of their own. Uh, would you look to buy them at this level? Would you wait like Rowan for the, uh, a trading update or, or the results before you'd, you'd make a call? I like Afrimat alongside Omnia. Um, between the two of them, I, I really like how both businesses have been able to diversify um, and, and sort of dabble into both sides of the, I mean, obviously Omnia is on the chemical side of it more and, and that sort of thing. Um, but Afrimat, following that Lafarge acquisition, um, what they plan to do from a diversification point of view and how, what that plan, what that Lafarge acquisition is going to add towards its revenue, I suspect we're going to see a very positive update. If not this one, uh, then the very next um, sort of interim update, possibly um, the half-year update. Uh, in terms of share price at 58 Rand, really not looking too bad. Um, last month, we sort of rallied from 50 Rand, popped out at 60, we're back within range. Uh, I, I do expect that it will uh, at some point break above that 70 Rand uh, resistance that we saw to reach uh, around 2022. So um, I am bullish on sort of Afrimac, Omnia and, and that sort of um, diversification for a portfolio, particularly because if you look at both management um, teams, uh, low debt levels, uh, cash flushed, very, very well run organizations. So Afrimac, not a bad buy at 58 Rand. If you're going to look lower you probably look lower to 55 maybe 52 52 rand but that really doesn't make too much mm -hmm. of a difference in the bigger scheme of things if you're going to be holding longer term yeah okay and there's a question i don't know if either of you follow premier fishing uh, it's a bit of a i suppose um uh, arcane, well not arcane, um, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a small cap company to follow. But uh, the viewer says, may the panel please explain uh, something about Premier? Its dividend price seems to be almost the same as the current share price, or am I not reading it correctly? Rowan, can you enlighten us? Yeah, uh, so it's a micro cap, you're right, it's sort of uh, listed, uh, I think it was uh, in the AEI stable. Um, they are busy with the delisting, so uh, that's uh, the reason uh, you're just going to get uh, paid out. Uh, I haven't looked at the details, possibly that the uh, proceeds are a dividend, um, so uh, you will, yeah, you will lose your shares and get that dividend, and that's why the price okay. is the same price as your dividend. So there's no sort of you're not getting anything. You're, you're not going to have the share once you receive the dividend. It's okay. the proceeds for for giving up your shares. Okay, I suppose it's trading seven cents then above the dividend. Jimmy, um, I guess that's then no reason to to wade in to Premier. That's it's done. Yeah, no, delisting is happening on the first of August. Thrones okay. covered everything there. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, then I shall get to your stock pick, if I may. Uh, what uh, are you looking at, either in South Africa or abroad? Uh, it's interesting because um, the Fed decision that's coming out this week is pretty much affecting a lot of the thought process behind this particular stock pick because um, the uncertainty around what the US Fed is going to do, we've seen in the past, it hasn't gone uh, the way of the Fed and we could still be in for surprises. Um, and if we are, if the recession does happen, then, you know, you, you sort of want to be 
prepared for that. Um, so it's a bit of a safer one from the stock picks I've given out in the past. It's Citigroup. Uh, they're trading at uh, about 30% below fair value. They're trading at a better PE ratio than all of their peers and the industry. Um, the If the US recession does play out, as we said, um, that guidance on Wednesday is going to be very particularly, uh, going to be very important around that. Um, they do go ex-div, uh, I think, around the 4th of August, um, and their dividend yield is a lot more attractive than their peers. So good dividend play, safe kind of bit and in terms of the banking space in the US they are um, sort of priced in a lot lower than some of their bigger peers okay okay well we shall watch we shall pass uh, the Fed's chairman's statement with great interest on Wednesday night Rowan how about you uh, we're going for Grinrod so that's a important logistics group but they um have been doing a very good job of cleaning up their portfolio. They sold the bank. Uh, they are still realizing some of the private equity assets, proving the balance sheet. They had a, a very good recent set of numbers. They're coming up with interims uh, fairly soon. Um, and I think they uh, will continue to benefit from logistics uh, growth in Africa. Maputo Port is doing particularly well. And then there are potentials to partner with government um, as they're looking for public-private partnerships in logistics and ports in South Africa. So it's an area of expertise, and uh, the share price has consolidated to do quite well recently. But based on, on the next set of results, I think it, it could move um, higher from here, and there is still potential for further dividends. Okay, great. Gents, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much uh, for joining us both. Nice to chat to you. Uh, Rowan Williams is from Night and Fund Managers. Jimmy Moyahe is an independent analyst. And up next, we have the close with Bloomberg. Do stay with us.